Live from the Battleborn Broadcast Center, it's Cofield and Company. Even at like seven, I was very cheap, and I'm like, I'm going to have this, this shirt for a long time. I can't even comprehend this question. I wouldn't want land. I wouldn't want animals. I don't want any of that. I don't want scenery. I don't want space. No, it didn't look like... I don't like, want open spaces at all. It didn't look like there was a... within miles of that place. I'm out. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go on Wednesday. Battleborn Broadcast Center is the spot. Back in our Finley Toyota studios, Damon is running the show. Adam Hill is here at the uh, BBBC. Justin Watkins up in just a little bit. Are you okay? I know there was a big pressure moment right at three and two seconds. Uh, I'm with you. I could feel the pain, the intensity of... The airline check-in 24 hours in advance. I have a flight literally at 3 p.m. tomorrow. You're not going to be here for the show? No, you're going out of town. I am. Okay, you checked in. Good. I'm glad it worked out for you (laughs) and your trip. NBA draft is tomorrow. We'll have it right here on ESPN Las Vegas. We'll go to the coverage at 4.30. Tomorrow we'll start early with a two-piece start to Cofield and company. It just saw a trade come down. I think there's going to be a lot of trades of picks. Uh, a lot of teams, especially the uh, the better teams, the wealthier teams, uh, bail out of the draft, out of the first round. Uh, Detroit made a trade. Detroit has traded Jeremy Grant to Portland for 2025 first-round pick via Milwaukee. Always got to get all the teams in there. Yeah. Uh, interesting news late night or last night and this morning on John Wall, which I think is we can tie this to Kyrie Irving. This is unbelievable. I forgot about John Wall. Yeah. But the NBA has not forgotten about John Wall, and certainly the Rockets haven't because they're still paying him. I I couldn't believe this number when I saw it. It's going to be like Bobby Bonilla Day all over again. Uh, The Rockets shut him down last year, essentially because he had this big contract, but they were trying to play younger players. They were trying to work on their future. So they're like, all right, we're going to shut him down. We're not going to play him. We're just going to pay him to basically sit out. And then you forget that he's even there. And then at the end of this year, he has a player option for next year. And he says, you know what? You're not going to freeze me out. I'm, I'm, I'm opting in. I'm, pick up my option. So it's $50 million, essentially, I think it's 47 for this coming season. And he has opted in. They might have to do it again. Or they'll tell him, like, I get to play at this point, maybe. But I, I think they're going to try to work on a buyout or try to trade him or something. But at this point, they might have him shut out again. Sit down, and we'll still pay the fifty million. Good for him. What a deal! Am I wrong in tying John Wall and uh, what is really turned out to be, in, you know, injury issues and Kyrie Irving in terms of the Nets inking Kyrie Irving to a long term deal? I don't trust Kyrie. And if you tell me as a Nets fan that they may get nothing for Kyrie, or the choice is sign him to you know some you know whatever the max deal is now five year three hundred million dollar deal, I'll take nothing. I think it's too risky. He's so unpredictable. It's just the only the thing is it's just it's what we talked about. It's that this is the window, like this is the window to win. 
you have no shot in the window if you you know you devote five years and three hundred million dollars to a guy who might retire in the middle of the next season. Well, if he retires, he, that's ideal. He could walk at any moment. Okay, well, he wouldn't retire. Right. He'll come up with something. The guy is so quirky and so unpredictable. I mean, they already got they got their lesson. Learn. Learn from it. It's just it's so tough to be this close and to be one of the favorites for next year and to say with this roster we have, if everybody plays, and that's a big if with Kyrie, but if everybody plays, we're going to have a chance to win a title. And to just say, nah, we'll pass. It's a, it's a really tough decision to make. And how, how long could it be until you're in this position again? Who knows? I mean, if Durant goes and you get nothing for Irving, like now you're completely rebuilding. Game four tonight, Stanley Cup. 12-third of the game is where you can hear it. You betting it? Tampa, Colorado, Tampa down 2-1. Basically a toss-up tonight in Tampa, minus 110. I think we've we've shown that we're, our specialty is waiting until the game starts and then <laughs> betting live, if you can get through bet in. Well, I do love betting the comeback. Sure. Doesn't right. always work. So whoever scores, My bankroll will show. It does not always work. Whoever scores first, you bet the other side. It would be great. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't – I don't love anything going into this game. Last game we talked about, hey, look, if Tampa is going to win a game, it's going to be game three. Like, they've got to. But I think they also sent a message enough to Colorado to say, you're not just going to come into Tampa and do what you did in Colorado. It's not going to be the same. So this is, I mean, obviously a huge game. I think the winner of the game tonight is in a great, great position for the series. I I would think Colorado wants to go in there and make sure that this does not get evened up at two and put pressure on yourself. But there is some goaltending concerns for Colorado. Yesterday, I emptied my account on the Aces money line to win the game pregame against Chicago. Nice bet. Looked good for a while. I hope you bought, looked, I hope looked, you bought it back. Looked real good. Hope you bought it back at like looked 100 to 1. Real good. Holy cow, what happened? They 28-point lead. They're up 41 to 18 early. That's 23-point lead. But uh, they wound up blowing the whole thing and losing. Well, they're up 28. They're up t- that 41-18 was the end of the first quarter. A record-setting first quarter. For the aces 41 points and then they started to play like the game was over they basically just thought just started playing individual putting up shots not really being concerned with each possession they played like they had a 28 point lead and they learned very quickly that a 28 point lead can go away very fast in basketball if you don't continue to do things that got you there and i think it's a good message for the aces coming up next Talk about the uh, Commanders and Dan Snyder and Roger Goodell in a wild, wild day in front of the uh, House Committee. Boy, a lot of games were played this afternoon. It's time for ESPN Las Vegas legal insider Justin Watkins to present the facts only on Cofield and Company. Big day at a Battleborn Broadcast Center, Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 5709000 is the number. Justin Watkins is here, ESPN Las Vegas legal insider, Adam Hill. And we have so much to go through from this House committee that originally wanted to talk to Dan Snyder in person. They're looking at what's been going on with the organization. Roger Goodell stepped in. We'll get to why Snyder wasn't there. This was wacky. And then on top of all that, last night it comes out that there's a direct allegation lobbed at Dan Snyder for a 2009 sexual assault. You remember a lot of the defense of Dan Snyder the whole time here about the toxic culture, you know, the poor environment for women in the workplace with the commanders, Redskins, WFT. Is that Snyder? Snyder wasn't part of any of this directly. 
I never believed that. And now we've got, it's only an allegation. But what did you see when you read this allegation? We got an allegation and a substantial settlement from 13 years ago. Um, the memory serves me right. It's a $1.6 million settlement in which uh, there was an allegation of groping and, and harassment from Snyder specifically to an employee. And it centered around a trip to Las Vegas, actually. And the uh, Redskins at the time did an, an investigation and provided a response to the investigation, which said that the, the allegations are verifiably false. And, uh, you know, it was written by an attorney and talked about how, how bad of a character person uh, the accuser was, uh, how much proof that they had that they're, that this did not happen in this way. And then they settled for $1.6 million. So, um, you know, I did see in the news report that they're asking a lot of experts. What do you think about this investigation? Do you think it was, you know, a sham investigation? Do you think it was a viable investigation? Uh, it, 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 by all accounts, just seem, seems that the investigation was pretty thorough, that most experts agreed that there was justification for a defense position. Um, and then I think universal agreement that in the, the, investigation portions pertaining to the accuser's character were sort of over the line out of bounds. Um, but remember this is 13 years ago. Um, you know, that's those, those lines were still being drawn. Uh, I'll just say this. It has not been my experience that you get $1.6 million settlements hmm. on <laughs> verifiably false claims of sexual harassment. That's not my experience. I I know it's not doesn't directly apply to this, but something that I thought of while you were saying that is if if there is a settlement in something like this, and a victim signs an NDA, like the wording has to be important in those kind of things, right? Because couldn't in that case you you're like, all right, here's take the settlement to the NDA, and then you just start trashing the person, and you're like, oh, you can't speak about it, so you shut up. Like it has to be kind of both go, work both ways, right? That's right, and that's why it's that, that's why. It, I think that you have to be very careful because they did say in 2020 when they were asked about, you know, a prior claim that it was without merit. You start casting dispersions and then it opens it up for them to talk about what happened. And in some states, she could talk about it anyway because the NDAs are no longer enforceable. They, they, they will not. Uh, muffle anybody anymore and you're allowed to talk about what happened to you uh, you know the interesting there's a whole there's several different layers to this onion the next layer behind it is in regards to the current investigation that was done um, they looked back at the 2009 investigation for the analysis portion and the investigator they hired in 2020 said wait a minute you know it seems like um Snyder had a hand in how this investigation was conducted. And now we have an allegation that Snyder was doing a shadow investigation as part of the 2020 investigation, trying to get to all these witnesses first, impact how they talked about it, and that Goodell knew about it. Like, if all those things are true, like, it starts to look like 
maybe Congress should be involved in something like this. You know, one of the first statements that you see out there from uh, one of the Republican lawmakers is this is a waste of of congressional resources, waste taxpayer dollars. This is a private matter. There is an investigation going on. The culture has changed. We shouldn't be talking about this. And and I'm receptive to that. So, so am I. By the way, that was James Comer, a rep from Kentucky. We should mention his name since he wants to back Snyder yeah. on this. Said the matter's already been investigated thoroughly and the team's culture has already been overhauled. I don't, Is that right? No, I don't agree with that. Like, I don't know. I don't know one way or the other, but you cannot say a culture overhaul <laughs> has happened in a year. You can't. You simply don't have enough empirical evidence to say that if there has been complaints, how they've been handled, it's it's not enough time. I'm sorry. Like that to to say that is irresponsible. The fact that Goodell said it in his prepared remarks is irresponsible. And then in line to direct questioning, his answer was, to the best of my knowledge, Dan Snyder's not involved with the day-to-day. And, and Goodell's a lawyer, so he knows how to answer Yeah, so wait a minute, wait a minute. And I really wish the follow-up question would have been, well, what's your knowledge based on? Right. Are, do you have any idea? Or are you just saying something that sounds good and you don't have any knowledge to the different? Does we talk about precedent in law all the time. Like does what happens in a congressional hearing like this impact a, a regular case in a, you know, in a court of law. And, and why, why I ask that is we know the Gruden thing's going on right now. Yeah. And one of the things the judge said was, you're not really comfortable with this Goodell process. And it doesn't look right to me. Like could in that case, in the appeal, they'd be like, look, you said you weren't comfortable with, look at what's going on in Congress. Like clearly Goodell's system does not work and it's weird. Oh, for sure it matters. Yeah. And, and and more so than it would matter if this was like an interview. I mean, all, an interview could be evidence too, but it might not make its way in front of a jury. Uh, it might not be admissible evidence. Here, this is this is under oath. And so it, this is not hearsay. This is testimony given under oath in direct line to questioning. Yeah, absolutely this can be used in other cases to talk about how the NFL – you know, treats investigations um, and and what they know and what they don't know and and all those different things. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's I think I think actually Goodell's been let off the hook a little bit easy so far. Um, the lines of questioning about what is it that you actually know? <laughs> You're here to talk about your personal knowledge. Do you do you actually know anything? How, how do you come about getting your information? Do you read anything that's given to you? Because when you say based on what I know or not to my knowledge, I have a feeling you don't have any knowledge. It would indicate that. Yes. Is, okay. In in a situation like that, is crafty answering of questions a defense? You know, what I mean? like he if it comes back to him, like you lied about, like you did know this, and he's like, ah, I said not to my knowledge at the time, like. Is the crafty is is that kind of style? Does that get you out of potentially not telling the truth? Uh, out of perjury charges for sure. Yeah, of course, right? You say no, no, no. That's that's not how the question was asked, and that's yeah. not how I answered it. The technicalities are all important on a perjury charge. Now, in regards to when that evidence is admitted in a in a different case, like let's use Gruden example, and we start admitting it there, I think it can cut against you, like. Look what he's doing here, everybody. <laughs> yeah. You see what he's doing. 
you know what that answer actually means, and I think it could be used against you. But for per from a perjury perspective, all those technicalities matter. I'm talking about the uh, House Committee having Roger Goodell in front of them today. We'll get to uh, the conclusion on Snyder. Yeah, I saw a lot of people watching this, and especially media people who are like, Goodell looks terrible. I'm like, I think he's doing his job. I would think most of the owners are pretty happy with the way he handled it by answering in crafty fashion. Yep. Right? I mean, that's that's his that's job. His they mission. don't want this yeah. whole can of worms to be opened uh, unless there's something real ugly with that skimming allegation. Um, you know, the other thing, when we watch these this this process, and, you know, I'll, I'll be nice and call them public servants because I know that's what you like to be called, but they are <laughs> politicians in the way they behave at this. And you saw, you saw people asking about Deflategate today. Um, Jim Jordan was asking about the fine to Jack Del Rio that Roger Goodell handed down, and Goodell's like, I didn't hand that down. There's a lot of game playing that goes on, and that should irk people. And believe me, this goes back, for Adam and I, this goes back to either you are playing games or you're not prepared going into this committee. Like you were just asking, hey, why don't they ask Goodell this, this, and this? Yeah. So if they're not prepared, that should piss people off. And, you know, you and I have this experience. You know, we were talking about SB1 all the time, and we had a politician on who basically admitted she hadn't read much of the bill. Any of it. The public servants are supposed to be prepared when you go into this thing. You're wasting our freaking time. So anyway, um, Rashida Tlaib asked a question about uh, to Goodell if he's going to remove Dan Snyder as the owner of the commanders. And Goodell said, I don't have the authority to remove him, Congresswoman. Uh, our buddy Xavier Pope is on tomorrow. Another legal analyst said, uh, that was a terrible question. Do your homework on the procedure uh, of removing an NFL owner and phrase it accordingly. I agree. Do you? Okay, in the case of the public servants, mm -hmm. are they asking questions a certain way? Or is that just a, a case where it's no. either a dog and pony show or she's not prepared? I, I believe that that's that you can't possibly have an agenda that's forward that 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 is advanced by the way that that question's worded. So it yeah. was misworded. I agree with Pope that Xavier was right. He, he she should have been prepared and asked the question, will you recommend? that Dan Snyder be removed as owner to the executive committee for vote by the owners. Right. Right. That's the procedure. You ask that question and now he's stuck. Yes or no. Yeah. I don't know. He, of course he would have been noncommittal and say, you know, there's still more investigations happening without further evidence. I can't make a, a, a public statement in that regard, but yada, yada, yada. But that is a very pointed question that puts somebody in a corner. Now, in regards to all the other stuff, there's a whole bunch of people on the committee who think this is all a waste of time, right? But right. they've got a guy under oath that they're probably never going to get under oath again in their time. Like, so Jim Jordan, he thinks it's all a waste of time. But he's got Goodell under oath. He's like, well, I've got my own agenda. Let me see what questions I can get right, out of. Let's, let's play games. Uh, yeah, let's let, let me. Let's... Shouldn't, and, and, you know, we can we can talk about a bad question, and I completely agree. It's, it's a poorly phrased question. What's to stop the other people that are there from noticing what just happened and saying, oh, that was a bad question, and he gave an answer that evaded her bad question. Yeah. I'm going to ask the question the right way. Here's the truth of the matter, man. Here's how these things work. <laughs> Almost all of what you see is already predetermined. Okay? Yeah. It's, it's all just an act. Okay? Rarely are we dealing with actual questions and answers in real time that people are thinking up. The really good ones are able to do that the really good ones okay but for the most part how did the how do these people go in and get prepared for this 
they either have their staff or more likely some pet special interest group that is really interested in this issue, write up a series of questions. Okay. And the chairperson might say, you each get two questions. It's impossible to really back somebody in the corner with two questions, right? I'm a lawyer. I need, I need to guide you down this path and I need to put you into this corner. Maybe he says you get five questions. Maybe he says you only get one. It's all up to the chair to determine what that's like. Okay. So I've got my two or three questions for me. I figured I was better at doing this than anybody else who was going to give me because it's my profession. It's what I do. So I would write out my own questions. And yes, I would listen to other people's and say, oh, you know, wait a minute. You didn't you didn't answer that. All right. I like that question. I'm going to jump on it. And you'll see that from time to time. You you will see that in Congress. Well, well, I mean, do they have I mean, I know, I'm just asking because I know you were there. Like, is there a requirement that you have to have a certain number of people ask questions? Because I think we've seen in the real like when it's a real hearing, like where they're really trying to get at something, yeah. like they'll kind of let one person do the questioning. Yeah. And like, oh, there are certain people like, you know, feel how you want politically. Like yeah. Adam Schiff is brilliant at yep. this. That's the person who came to mind when I said there's some that are really good. He's yeah. good at it. Right. So like, let's let's just have him ask all the questions at every hearing. Like you're on every committee and we're just going to have you, you ask all the questions. That's not how it works though, right? So the chair runs the committee and the chair is going to dictate how that particular committee is going to operate no yeah i know yeah, right? i know and, and like so if you don't have certain committee assignments you can't but like i'm just putting up on every committee and saying you're asking all the questions yeah. at every single hearing you're right but you got to remember like in order to to you know get the votes that you need on the legislation that you want That's you've got to play nice with everybody right to a certain extent even like these these silly questions from jim jordan right like the chair could shut that down and say only relevant to the the football investigation right and shut it down and there's nothing Jim Jordan would have been able to do about it. But now you do that. Jim Jordan's never, you know, he's going to take a, a stab against everything that you stand for just out of pettiness. So you've got to kind of play some even handed rules across the board. You got to let everybody ask their stupid questions. Most of the time it, we're talking about 10% of the questions actually matter. You know, that going in, you try to be even handed, you try to be efficient and you try not to make it look everybody too silly. What a process. Uh, the chair on this, Carolyn Maloney, on Snyder not being there, right? Snyder not there said, uh, quote, apparently Mr. Snyder is in France where he has docked his luxury yacht near a resort town. That should tell you just how much respect he has for women in the workplace. Okay. Well, she said afterwards <laughs> that they are going to issue a subpoena. Yeah. Okay. So now what? Because I, but a lot of us little people watching this are like, I guess if you're rich, you just don't have to ever own up to anything or show up oh you definitely do subpoena, in front of congress subpoena powers will make him show up there's people in jail right now for the january 6th uh refusal to testify pursuant to subpoena yeah con violating a congressional subpoena is a crime do you think he'll choose jail no <laughs> i think he'll go really but i also think what his kind of access will get him yep. is a um sort of prepared set of questions that yep. he knows what's coming and he's gonna have a ton of protectors yep. there Right. To I play agree. the game. Yep. Crazy stuff. All right. We'll come back. We'll get to a big issue around Las Vegas. Clark County changed something yesterday when it comes to uh, Verbo and Airbnbs. And a lot of people are flipping out, especially in an environment where we've got a housing shortage. It's time for ESPN Las Vegas legal insider Justin Watkins to present the facts only on Cofield and Company. 
for Wednesday, Justin Watkins is in. We got a bunch of legal issues and sports to get to, including what's going on with uh, the Saudis golf league and how the PGA seems to be caving in spite of trying to talk trash. That's coming up in about 15 minutes. I uh, wanted to talk about a story that we saw with uh, squatting, right? We've talked about squatting in the past around Las Vegas. A U.S. woman rents out house on Airbnb. Tenant refuses to leave. So what happens in these cases? Squatters actually have some power. Well, first off, the headline is incorrect. She did not use Airbnb. She says she advertised it for a short-term sublease. Ooh, okay. So what's important there is if you have a signed document for a sublease you are a tenant depending on the terms right and so if that short term she said while she was out of town was 30 days or more which the story doesn't indicate then you need to do eviction it becomes a residence at that point and you have to evict so um you know, I think that headline, you know, they're looking for a lot of stories to tell in, in regards to Airbnb and, and Verbo. Um, but I think it's it, it's a relevant story to talk about because, you know, the county commission has just, uh, you know, sort of legalized and taxed what and, and created a set a set of rules for how we're going to do that here in Vegas um, moving forward. And you know what? I think they did a pretty good job. I actually do, too. I, I saw this thread start uh, yesterday or two days ago on social media. Because uh, the number is, uh, they're going to have 2,800 permits, and there might be like 10,000. I think it, the, the quote was 10,000 are uh, still out there illegally. And people immediately went to like, we don't want these here. You know, they're not paying taxes. We have a housing shortage. And then when I read through the rules and fines and cost and fees, I, I, I thought it was pretty strong. Actually, might dissuade a lot of people not to use their house That's for right. short-term rentals for Airbnb or Verbo. Yeah, I mean, the big the big one is just the ticket price 13 and a half percent is the tax you know um you uh, they should be taxed I mean, they should uh, absolutely regular lodging with 160,000 rooms around las vegas they are gonna pay taxes and you, you can't skirt taxes and you can't just like your your home's probably not ready to rent you have to have you know noise um monitors to make sure that the noise isn't getting out of control you've got to provide them with hotline um help hotlines for the your neighbors and for the people there if if you're uh tenants are being unruly um you know there's some costs associated can't have with two this. houses next to each other right it can't be within a thousand feet it can't if, be within like 2500 feet of what uh, resort hotel which i think would be, that would be easy you would think yeah. right no more than two uh people per bedroom that you have oh, in that the right? house I yeah i thought it was 10 max yeah yep okay no no more than two or 10 it's it's a greater or so i think they did a pretty good job i mean i think vegas should have short-term rentals it should and it should be taxed just like we tax the hotels, um, you know, and and I and I think they did a good job. Let me ask you guys, though, when you go out of town, I don't know if you've ever done Airbnb, Verbo, whatever. Do you do you ever think about that community and how it affects that community? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I don't know do... if people leave town, they go somewhere and they don't think about any of this. Yeah. You know, and the, the noise and all that stuff. And now it hurts a neighborhood. Right. I, I've only done it a handful of times. I'm, I'm not a big uh verbo or airbnb a guy i always look and then i'm always like nah, i don't know i don't want to deal with some owner yeah. and the exchange of the key and all this stuff i'm just gonna find a hotel like that's i always i, I check 
I see, and I'm like, I don't know, that's somebody's stuff. Well, then there was, like, the big thing uh, last week. It was a huge, you know, trend on Twitter of somebody's like, I found all these cameras in the Airbnb I was at. And then other people were like, those aren't cameras. That's a sprinkler head. Like, that's what a normal sprinkler head looks like. And it was, like, this whole back and forth of, like, you're accusing somebody of something. that it, it, It's a mess, but you always think about those things. Yeah. Um, my question, like, HOAs and, like, different administrations can block people in their neighborhoods from doing this, yes. right? Yes. Yes. I, I mean, it has not been tested legally just, just because this is too new. Um, but yeah, absolutely. An HOA in there can put it in their CCNRs, can make rules um, based on this. And I think, you know, most of the major areas are going to have rules on that um, saying that you can't do it or having even more stringent restrictions than what you see there. They can certainly do it. Um, you know, at some point, will that get legally challenged as to whether or not it's a violation have, of somebody's property? We might have the right, right case. Well, yeah. What do you got? Well, I, I don't. I want to be careful because I don't want to give because it might give away exactly where this is by saying it. So high. there is a major no, no. <laughs> there is a major, major, major sporting event coming up next year, mm-hmm. and there is a property where we know people that own property. Mm-hmm. Their property is literally the perfect vantage point. Right. For this event. Yes. From their property. Wow, yes. Right. And they're like, we would like to, we could probably rent this place mm-hmm. for like six months mortgage for two days. Yeah. Like we need to do this. Yeah. Why can't they do it? The property says you're not allowed to. They already said it. Yeah. Well, forever. Like they didn't specifically ask for that weekend, but like, really. it's just banned in their, oh, in their property. They should definitely do it and then pay the one-time fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good I mean, advice. Good, I mean, wanna, good wanna, legal wanna advice. Want to hook up this person you know and Justin? <laughs> yeah. Some legal advice? Yeah. So, the, somebody somebody we may know, yes. I mean, the, you're not allowed to foreclose on somebody for breaking a rule, right? You have to give you know them notice and opportunity I, to correct. I know that place. I would risk getting kicked out of there. Yeah. I love that place. It's not. It's It can be. It's, it's replaceable. Trust okay. me. But we're we're you, speaking in code here. But that, yeah. no, it is fascinating, though, that uh, can we just say what event it is? Well, it'll give yeah. away what it is, sure. No, almost. nobody knows where the place. Yeah, there's, no, there's, I have no. I know what event okay. what you're talking there's about. Okay. It's, it's yeah, F1. F1. Yeah, uh huh. There's residences all okay. over the place. Okay. Yeah. By the way, don't do people own you own units in that in that MGM? Uh, what is it? Signature. Right. Yeah. yeah, signature. Right by Top yeah. Golf, right? Yeah. What do you think is going to happen with those? Oh, but that's part of the deal. I mean, they they will rent that out for you through MGM. Oh my God. Yeah. Can you imagine buying? A residence at that spot, you know, whatever. Fifteen years ago, that it's been around that long, right? And yes. you freaking step in it with F one coming, and the, <laughs> one of the turns is right there, right, right by Top Golf. I gotta watch the reality oh. TV. I don't know what everybody's in the F one. Oh, everybody's. I, I gotta. I gotta watch the it's series. Just, I hear that's what it's, does it. It's the the money, the popularity, but also it's it's unlike any sport, and I haven't watched all of it. It's unlike any sport that I've seen in terms of the press conferences, because you know you have all these rivals. They'll, they'll just put. They'll just put people right next to each other at a press conference in this like completely, you know, contentious situation. You're like, wow, like we would never do that here. I like that. You got to watch it. All right, there's like six seasons of it, though, it's, right? Yeah, oh crazy. man, I mean, you can just skip I... if you. I mean, the racing stuff they kind of go through pretty fast. Oh, it's all the drama behind the yeah, scenes. Yeah, it's all the drama, the money spent, and you know, the pressure on the drivers to remain on a team, and the, the sucky, you know, the sucky cars because you know they're always yeah. like on the verge of getting booted out. And Is it like Days of Thunder? I don't know. You don't, Tom, you don't Tom Cruise? Tom Cruise? Movie? Yeah. I don't remember. I mean, that's NASCAR, but yeah. still. I think it's more like uh, <laughs> Talladega Nights. <Yes. laughs> if it was, yeah, then, then we're definitely in. All right, quick timeout. I want to get to that uh, uh, the latest stuff with the, the Saudi Golf League and Liv. And uh, also one more 
a story from up on the strip when it comes to weed smoking and how much you can be penalized if you're uh, smoking where you're not supposed to be smoking. And unless that whole thing was fun and games, and we don't think it was, Guillermo Martinez is gone. He's sticking out for a sticking up rather for his hitters because of the strike zone last night. You gotta be out of your mind. That is the worst call that I have ever seen. I mean, I'm out here busting my butt, and you coming here with a push league call like that? Now, back to Coalfield and Company. Rolling on, Cofield and Company. On the way back here, uh, Blue Jays and White Sox as the umpires throw out the uh, hitting coach. So, wonderful stuff. Justin Watkins is here. Let's uh, close on a couple of important stories. Uh, this is a good discussion that I saw on social media, and it involves, uh, I'm not going to name the hotel, but uh, a sign that people saw in the room at one of the resorts here in town saying, this hotel uses advanced smoke detection sensors that monitor for and specifically detect tobacco smoke and marijuana smoke. A $1,000 fee will be added to your room if detected. A couple of things. Does that sensor really exist? And two, is that enforceable? I'll take the second question first because that's the easier one and I know the answer to. Yes, it's enforceable. Um, the only way it wouldn't be enforceable is if the fine was so drastically out of whack for what any damage could be done. And so... You could say, well, there is no damage, but my personal experience, marijuana smoke, if it's being smoked in a room, they got to they gotta clean it up. They got to they gotta do a, a different, probably deeper clean to try to get that smell removed, and they might not even be able to rent the room for a night or two. So the question is, is this damage, it's, it's the equivalent of liquidated damages. It's a set amount if there's a violation. Is it reasonable under the the circumstances i think yes it, okay. there would have to be evidence that's way out of whack like one hundred thousand dollar fine you'd be like well what's that supposed to right. make up for right so i think that that's enforceable too is or this your first question is does that technology exist i have no idea i mean the legality of the sensors I and mean, we haven't we had case after case about just like radar guns right and and the you know the margin of error like has ha, i wonder have these centers been put into a court case like do they even work oh well first off this isn't the government acting right okay. this is a private actor okay. so it doesn't matter they don't owe you due process <laughs> you know they really? can say the sensor went off and we're finding you and you could say your sensor's faulty uh okay well sue me <laughs> you know like whatever now, by the way how would they take the fine would they auto take it right out of your right like put it right in your credit card i would I'm, you know, I'd say I'd put them on notice when they're checking in these fines, this card, when you put what the deposit down, what if they don't give notice? this is a sign in a room. What if yeah, they don't yeah. give notice? Yeah. yeah. If you're going to, if you have to do that, if you're going to take money out of their account, like auto debit it out as yeah. a fee, I think that that needs to be disclosed on the paperwork they sign. And it probably is on the paperwork that we all sign that don't we don't read. even see. <laughs> you don't even see, right? Like sign here on this little digital thing. It's like, what am I signing? Just sign there. Okay. I mean, it, and there also there is checkout like where you just check in right now right when you're when you're like a member or, or uh, especially during COVID they had a lot of non contact check in options mm -hmm. like still same thing like you just have have to throw it in the app and then it's fine yeah I think right. so 
Yeah, I mean, it'd be different if we were talking about a state actor, but we're not. We're not talking about the government. And we're in this position where people can legally buy stuff here, yep. but they don't have anywhere to go in the resort corridor to smoke their weed. But then the casinos have a challenge because of their gambling license and the feds. Yeah, I mean, the casinos, I think, are in the correct legal position. Right. Like, we, we can't have this on our property because we're in the, this situation with the federal government. And I think they're right. So where are we on getting, like, weed lounges in, in you know, close to the strip or on the strip? I mean, there's no reason we can't have them on the strip so long as they're not on a property with gaming. Okay. I think I think they could be there, and I think we'll we'll work our but way there. Been a process I mean, here. Since, yeah. since you were yeah. Yeah. serving and you talked about it, it still hasn't happened. No, I mean the weed lounges currently are every parking garage that I've ever right. been in. <laughs> yep. oh, I know it's, it's disgusting. It's strong. It's strong. Yeah. I live Saudi golf. Uh, Jay Monahan, the uh, PGA boss, I guess was recently calling uh, the Saudi golf league exhibitions. Um, but then the tour is starting to create something that is live like with special events with un- like what uh, it's not unlimited fields, but fields where you're not cutting. Uh, golfers and prize money is boosted to, like up to like $25 million. Sounds kind of familiar. So yeah, I like it though. Right. I mean, well, again, I don't want to, I don't want to sit here and have to back Greg Norman and Mickelson, but if they were forced, you know, pushing to force some change, have some leverage, they've gotten leverage here in like two months. Right. But is, I mean, I guess I don't know enough about the story. Is that really what this was all about? No. You know, no, of right. course not. yeah, of course not. it wasn't about GA is reacting by doing some of the stuff that live. Like I, I think I, listen, I never heard, golfers say hey there's not enough prize money right available but now they're upping the prize money and making up events yeah but i i mean i like the way that they addressed it which is the top 50 in the fedex cup standings get invited to these eight events and there's 20 million bucks on the line i'm like that's cool it sounds like playoffs i mean it's not the golf playoff but it's it will be for these guys right when you're when you get access to the 20 million dollar purse by being in the top 50 and you're number 52 going into the last event well, and a lot of the best golfers are not even on the tour anymore. Yep. So it's an easier, easier top yeah. fifty to make. I like it. It's nice. Yeah. Quit, quit bringing sense and reasonability and, and hypocrisy right. into this. I'm just want to watch some good golf. So what's the next shoe to drop, guys, with uh, VGK in terms of player moves? What are the key dates, Adam? And then uh, what kind of changes do we want to see to the roster? Yeah, we'll see. Well, we'll see. You know, free agency starting up here pretty soon. Not too long after. Uh, the end of the postseason, which again, game four tonight, so it could end in two more games. It could go four more games here, um, and then as you get start to get into July, things are going to really heat up. And um, I don't know if it's going to be a crazy year of movement because it's we're finally like the first year back to normal, normal, normal. Uh, we'll see, but I, the Golden Knights have a lot of decisions to make. There's no questions about that. Um, starting with, I don't know what they're going to try to do with the goaltending situation. Um, I don't necessarily know that I would do anything, but. Uh, they have a lot of financial considerations to make here and who fits the system well. I, I think it was kind of answered that they're not going to base their player decision, their personnel decisions on what fits the system necessarily, but they probably should at least take that into consideration. If you're going to hire a coach, you might as well have players that fit what the coach wants to do. So um, I think there's a lot of a lot of question marks going into this offseason about are they going to try to do a lot of changes or are they just going to try to trim a little bit of salary to, to get under salary cap compliance, or are they going to go for some major overhaul? And I'm not sure what the answer is. Yeah. I mean, they're going to, they have to do something at goaltender at some point because Thompson, Brassois and Leonard, well, that doesn't make sense. Right. right. So Brassois is a marketable right. contract. You could probably actually get something for him. It may not be much, might be a fifth, 
fifth rounder or something, sure. but that, you shouldn't have to give up a pick for somebody to take him. And so, I wasn't even considering Brassois. Like, I, yeah. I just assumed Brassois was gone. Yeah, yeah. So. so with Brassois being gone, then I think, I think actually, depending on what they're – if they're truly going to eat Shea Weber's or if they're going to turn that contract around and give up a pick for somebody else to take them, because there are some teams that need some salary, um, and it's actually not – it's – it's good for the AAV, but there's only six million owed on over the next four years right. on it. It's actually not that much money, yeah. physical money owed on paper. On paper, <laughs> yeah. on paper, it looks terrible. Seven point eight five a year for four. But if they actually flip that, deal Shea Weber's contract to somebody, give up probably like a, a second or third round pick for somebody to take that, and then they're only one move away from actually being under the cap. And right. it would probably be a move like either Martinez and like you were saying before, Pacioretty. It's got to be a five million plus person to yeah. to get them under the cap. But or and, and I think I guess my question is like, are they aiming to just get under the cap, or are they going to aim for a couple moves that can actually make some moves? I think that's right. that's kind of the yeah. question. I agree. I I I think I don't think they're going to go. I don't think they're going to try to go under the cap. I think they're going to be a LTIR all year. Team. <laughs> sure. Justin Watkins with us. Uh, last thirty seconds. What's going on with the Reno office? Oh man, we're we're up and running. I'm just trying to figure out on the phone number. Uh, you know, the, tweet me if you think you like the phone numbers that are words, like let's say theoretically something like seven seven five get help, or do you prefer the easy to remember numbers like theoretically, you know, seven seven five two four three three thousand. You know, you like the the easy numbers or the ones that have words, or are we way past that? Nothing matters anymore. At Battleborn JW up on Twitter. Thanks for housing the show today. Good seeing you guys. Talk to you soon. Good spot. Yep. Come back four o'clock hour. Caleb Herring is going to check in as we'll uh, deep dive on UNLV football. First games like what? 66 days away. I think.